Happy New Year, humans. It's Kara. We're here in La Vital Core Salon. We are going to be navigating bullshit and sidestepping burnout in 2019, and I hope you'll join me. Some of you may already know that my producer, Craig, is creating a second podcast with rock and roll hustler Andrew Luke Oldham. During one of Andrew's visits this summer, he popped down to the city and later WhatsApped me a selfie in front of this super cool-looking, tricked-out meditation B-time bus. So I was instantly curious. After Googling it and later on a subsequent trip to New York, getting on the bus myself, I knew that I wanted to talk to CEO and founder Carla Hammond. Because anyone who is actively disrupting the meditation space is my kind of woman. Carla's going to share how she transformed a recurring, quote, cute idea for a bus into an actual business. Hailing from a diverse array of experience across the nonprofit sector, startup space, and some time spent in an ashram certainly have helped her. If you're someone who actively dislikes meditation or thinks it's just not for you, but you're already feeling massively stressed out nine days into January, I want you to resist the urge to back away from this episode. Stay with Carla and me and bring some curiosity. Before we zoom over to the interview itself, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in the Purple Podcast app on any of your iGadgets or your favorite place to listen to and download podcasts. And as you're listening, if you think of someone during this episode, just share it with them. Most podcasting apps have a way to quickly text or email someone. Voila, meet Carla Hammond. Carla, welcome to La Vital Course Salon. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to ask you so many questions about this because I don't know if you realize meditation is something that comes up frequently in this show. And I feel like having you as an expert and hearing about what you created with B-Time practice is making my head explode with questions, really. (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that. And I also wanted to share with you a really funny experience when I actually got to meditate on the B-Time bus. Oh my gosh, I want to hear all about it. So I came in from the Catskills and I had a client session in the morning. So I found a quiet place to do that. And it was a day that was like 95 degrees and 100 billion percent humidity. (laughs) And I was up in Flatiron and I think you were in Madison Square Park that day. So I knew like, okay, I got a boogie. I'm going to have to really like pick up the pace to get down there, which all always feels kind of backwards to me to race to then sit down and meditate. (laughs) And I normally meditate first thing in the morning because I knew I had the appointment on the bus. I was like, oh, I'll I'll just wait till later. I'll get into the city. I'll do my thing. So I already felt like a little off kilter for the day. And I race there and I'm sweaty. (laughs) And CBS (laughs) is outside of the bus with cameras and they were like, hey, can we interview you about... No way. <laughs> yes. And so 
I do, you know, like a one or two minute interview, like, you know, why did, why did I come to meditate that day? What's been my history of meditation? You know, just a couple simple questions. And then, you know, they came on the bus and said, would everyone mind if we, before you start, when everyone's like all set up, can we just, you know, pan around the inside of the bus and, and catch everyone? And so... I'm thinking, okay, I am a hot, sweaty mess. I literally had no makeup on that day. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. I know these things like help other business owners. Like, I was going to say that super is so excited. kind of you. That is so kind of you. But here's the funniest part in all of it. I was so discombobulated getting up, not meditating first thing, racing into the city, dealing with traffic, making sure I got to my client session on time. At the end of meditating, one of the first and loudest thoughts to come back into my head was I had forgotten to rinse the conditioner out of my hair that morning. (laughs) And I was wondering why it felt so weird. And I realized I had forgot to. And I thought, all right, well, if I don't tell anyone, no one will know that I was on the news and maybe it won't even make it. And then later that night, cousins in New Jersey started posting on Facebook, my giant close-up head with with hair with no conditioner on the bus meditating. So, (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't with this story. It's the best story ever. (laughs) So. Well, thanks for taking one for the team. You're so welcome. (laughs) And thank you for creating what you did with B-Time practice. Maybe for the sake of everyone listening that has not gotten to meditate on the bus, can you talk about what you've created? Sure, of course. It's basically a mobile meditation studio. We wanted to create a space that was unexpected, but yet welcoming, and that could, you know, just offer a little solace, you know, from the urban hustle of the outside world and just have a space where you could step in and kind of take a breather and be kind of transported into a different environment where it's easier just to disconnect and connect with yourself. So yeah, so we created this bus, which we actually decked out with 15,000 LED lights so that we could provide chromotherapy. They switch colors then aromatherapy is integrated also, so you step in and it's already working on you to help calm and soothe your body. We added also the weighted blankets that help also kind of like ground us, um, especially when we're rushing in just like what happened with you. <laughs> it, it, all these little extra kind of like bonuses and perks, um, but all towards, you know, like harnessing the best experience for what the main, you know, goal is, which is getting people to sit and meditate and experience themselves in meditation. It is so cool. And I think I am a geek about human-centered design and kind of like how people interact in situations or in physical spaces. And it is really well thought out. Like, I mean, one of the things I noticed when I got on the bus, like, not only does it smell good, it feels cozy, but not squashed. Like there's this light. And even when you come on, right? Like, I mean, you're invited to come in and like, 
leave your shoes and leave your bag, I noticed like even like the cubby holes and everything, like everything closes quiet. Like the acoustics are really <laughs> cool in there. And did you notice the cables? To plug in your phones so that, yes. you know, an extra little incentive for people to disconnect and take this time for themselves. And literally, like, you can recharge your phone and recharge yourself, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's a one-two punch. Perfection. <laughs> How did you even begin to think, what if I make a bus you can meditate on? Okay, so this is how the idea came about. I... I've been practicing for quite some years, um, and I usually practice at home. So when I had my twins almost five years ago now, it got a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the understatement of the half decade, right? Exactly, exactly. It got a little crazy, and it got really, like, it just got harder to practice, so I found myself really wishing for a space where I could, um, you know, a quiet, cozy space where I could just go to at least like escape to once a week and practice and do my thing. And I thought, I'm in New York. I'm not sure that exists here. And I started searching. And this was, again, this was almost five years ago before there were any formal meditation studios like there are now, which is wonderful because I think it's, it's all catching on, right? So the offerings I found were like either just like weird hours and locations, like 8 p.m. on a Wednesday on the Lower East Side, and I live up at West, so it would just take me, you know, like an hour to get there just to meditate for half an hour and get back. Yeah, just like there, there wasn't much offering out there. So I realized that there was a space in the market for that. And I wasn't quite sure, though, if people were ready yet and maybe this was a short side of me looking back but I wasn't quite sure if they were ready to visit a space solely to meditate right just to take a meditation class because it's a big ask right it's a big ask exactly and I feel like back then especially it was kind of just like an add-on to your yoga class you know or or something you did in an ashram or like a 70s commune Exactly, exactly. Like joining more of a community. And that was the other thing. I mean, I've been there, done that. You know, I've, I've, I've been part of several communities and followed several gurus. And I've learned so much. And it's been really like a wonderful experience. But at this point of my life, I just wanted to just sit, you know, just sit. And of course, you know, the community aspect of it is, I feel, a really deep importance but I just wanted to keep it as simple as possible if if that makes sense so because I was a little hesitant and you know rents are crazy expensive and also I think uh, five years ago meditation was just getting to be mainstream you know and I feel like it's not even yet mainstream there's still a lot of no. I feel it's like still, it's, it's still spoken about in very veiled language, right? Like when I correct. read something on like Harvard Business Review, you know, like they may not be using the word meditation. They might not even be using the word mindfulness, which is getting a little more crossover. Correct. But I find like sometimes, especially having, you know, a f- 
having my a foot in kind of each world. Like I still understand business and analytics and that kind of thinking, but I'm also mm-hmm. a pretty radiant thinker as well. I see what they're trying to say, but without saying it. Like, Correct. you know, you can't talk about meditation in, on Harvard Business Review or something. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. And I mean, I think there's a lot more push right now, which I'm really excited for. And I think, you know, corporates and just are starting to realize the benefits of it productivity-wise, creativity-wise, focus-wise, you know, just like stress-wise, health-wise. So I feel like slowly but surely it's it's starting to creep up. But there was definitely a lot of information still missing. And people are still getting to know what what it can mean exactly for them. So all this to say that I looked at some spaces and I thought it was too big of a risk. Uh So I put it on the back burner and I kind of just like put it in the files and, 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 and hope to revisit. And then I started noticing the food truck movement. And this other day, uh, and one of these huge nonprofit mobile units was parked a couple of blocks away from my house. And it kind of just hit me. And I thought, wait a second, what if, we create a mobile meditation studio and that way we can get to more people, more locations and, you know, just like expand the offering. I myself thought it was a little crazy. I I was just going to ask like, (laughs) and then what were other people's responses? Like when you started going to family and friends saying, I think I want (laughs) to buy a bus and trick it out and make it a mobile meditation studio. Like, my husband is the most supportive, lovely, like, cheerleader in my life. (laughs) But when I came to him, uh, you know, like, you know what? I thought about this idea. And he he was kind of really taken aback. And he was just like, that's so cute. I love that you're so creative. (laughs) (laughs) Not that someday, like... You would own a bus. Oh, gosh. And then I remember also mentioning to my general doctor who was like a, a very important, had a very important presence in my life and was one of my go-to people. And, uh, and he was like, well, you know, that's a, that's a really nice idea. I don't think as a business you're really going to get any money from it. But, you know, it's nice to try to like educate people. I'm like, no, no, you're not getting it. So it took me a while and it, it even took myself, like me personally, a while to really like think through it and what it would look like. And then I, I noticed that I started like just obsessing about the idea and it just would, it wouldn't go away. And I would, everything I was looking at, you know, like buses suddenly noticing different like vehicles on the streets and, oh, that's a, you know, like that's a really nice vintage, whatever, the <laughs> model. <laughs> And, um, and, and when I was looking, my, my husband's really into architecture like, as a hobby. And so he gets all these magazines. And I, as I would look through them, I was, you know, I found myself just thinking, oh, my gosh, look at this play of lights. And, then, and it was kind of just like building. It just continued to build. And um, until one day, two years later, I actually sat down and said, well, okay, let's give this a shot and write it out and see if it's even anything at all. And it just kind of took a life of its own from there. Yeah. Wow. 
level. So Carla, I know there are a lot of women listening sometimes to this show that are maybe thinking about making a pivot or some sort of big transition, either in their personal life or also in their career. And it gets really scary and it gets really hard. Can I ask, how long was that gestation period for you where you were kind of holding this idea talking yourself into it and talking yourself out of it all at the same time and having all the feelings come up. So I think it was at least two years, maybe even longer. And, and also but it's interesting that you're asking this and it's bringing up something else is, um, I, my last job, my, my background is, um, in the nonprofit sector. And so the last job I held was at an organization that provides mindfulness and meditation to underserved schools in Brooklyn. Amazing. And yes. And so that was something else that really triggered, I guess, be time to an extent because I knew what the practice could do for myself, for me personally. But I, in seeing the transformation and the kids that we worked with in such a small amount of time. And they, and I mean like kids that were, that went from not even feeling safe closing their eyes to like two months in, you know, teaching ad hoc kind of like meditation groups with their friends and, you know, like them letting us know of the spillovers that, the practice it had in their lives, you know, like grades wise and just in attendance in school and how they uh, related with the people near them, their parents, you know. So in that point, I thought, oh my gosh, this is such a powerful tool. What, how can, what, what can I do to try to very humbly, you know, like expand the invitation of this. How can I like kind of jump on the the meditation movement? And so it's kind of been something that that even beyond thinking before thinking that it might be a bus to start. Um, it's been something that's kind of been uh, simmering inside for for quite some time now. The intention of it, right? Because you were seeing up close and personal, literally. I mean, this this unfolding, this blossoming of kids really needing this tool and what yes. that what that led to. And I mean, anyone who's been to New York and a huge portion of the listeners of the show are in or around New York or frequently visit it. So I think, you know, anytime you even think about New York in a big way, I mean, you just picture like, frazzly sparks of energy coming off of people <laughs> like and if it's I working, love that description by the way <laughs> right yes it's, I always think of it like you know like peanuts the cartoon I always uh-huh. picture it's like you know how Linus has like all those like dirty lines around him like, yeah with his like raggedy blanket yes 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 I always picture like the lines are a little like more like lightning bolts but that would be like the frazzled character <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the visual. <laughs> I can totally I, see that. 
there you go. You can you can focus on on melting the lines in a future visualization meditation, right? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That's a wonderful, wonderful idea. But yeah, I see what you're getting at. So it's got to be so exciting to have this come together. Like, what do you think helped it go from just an idea on a piece of paper or this idea that you were just sort of walking around with and kind of geeking out about to then actually really starting to take some of those initial steps? Do you remember what a couple of those like really big, scary steps were in the beginning? Sure. So one of them was was sitting down and writing a business plan, you know, and seeing if, you know, if this could be, unfortunately, you know, I, I would love to offer the services for free, but, you know, it had to be presented in a, in a business kind of schedule so that I could make it happen. Of course. Um, that was when I really kind of sat down one-on-one with this idea and really had a, a heads-on and, and going through all the details and writing out what that would entail and going in deeper and then you would need XYZ and is this even possible? And then like details like, and by details I mean things like um, permits for something like this. Can we park in the, in the city? Like, can right. I park a bus <laughs> on the streets? Like, Physically, I mean, can you find the space to put a bus? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's a 35-foot bus. So it's not, it's not like, you know, the smallest food truck, I think, is 28 feet. So, And it's just like a whole different animal in terms of, like, logistics and, and legality and the permits. And it, there was just a lot of back and forth in visiting, you know, the, the Department of Transportation and they would send me to um, Consumer Affairs and they would send me back to the Department of Transportation and, the, you know, like nobody oh. really wanted to deal with having to approve something like this. So because I don't think it was anything like this, I dare say, maybe I'm wrong, but I, of what I know, from what I know, nothing like this had you know popped up before so they just didn't know how to deal and I imagine you were receiving bureaucratic eye rolls everywhere oh my gosh like what are you trying to do weirdo (laughs) no 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 so many turndowns so many turndowns and I think so I I guess in 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 answering your question and going back to that I think it was just a lot of persistence it was something I was really excited about of course and I felt really passionate about of course and that I felt was a very kind of like core calling in a sense. But uh, at the same time, I just took on this mindset of being like, okay, I know this is, you know, like a unique idea and it might not work out, but I'm going to try everything I can in my power to make it work out. And so I was kind of like, I was kind of like driving along, so to say, and then I would hit a stop sign and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this might be, you know. This might be the end of it. it. (laughs) Stop sign, you know, like dead end stop sign. But I I took a go at it and try through every different route to to get things sorted and, and then they did. And then I was like, oh, 
okay, well, that's surprising. Okay, so we move on along again, you know, like hit the accelerator. And, and that's kind of like how it all, the whole journey happened until it just suddenly like came to be, to be honest. It sounds to me, it reminds me of my mom lives in Bradenton, Florida. Mm-hmm. And whenever I drive down there, I think, how do people drive down there? Because it's like <laughs> these giant intersections, right? Where you go like 60 miles an hour for like a half mile and then you come to a stop at a, at a stoplight and then you go 60 miles an hour again exactly. and then come to a stop at exactly. a stoplight. <laughs> exactly. That, that was exactly the feeling. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was gut wrenching. You know, every time I got to a stoplight, I'm like, I, I'm not sure. Maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe I, it, this isn't possible. You know, it's just not allowed. Or, but again, I, even finding insurance for something like this was one of the other, you know, very, very, very steep challenges I had to face explaining like, what is it? You're not moving around, but you do have people, but you're teaching a class. But people are sitting, but you don't have any seats. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, I could only imagine speaking to an insurance company and trying to explain that. Oh, my gosh. I put that, I got put down so many times. I mean, in the, in the, in the mid-20s times. And, um, and it took me like a year, a year to actually have insurance for this and and I mean I, I took the risk of just keeping on going and and like finding the bus and and the design and then the retrofit and because I I kind of just wanted this to happen but I also knew if I didn't you know get past that last hurdle it was it, it wasn't going to happen you know Right, so, and then you'd be stuck with this retrofit bus that you've put all this money into exactly, and that you can't exactly. do anything with. I was like, okay, last worst case scenario, we can, you know, like take a road trip, put the kids in there, let's go to Colorado, <laughs> you know, <laughs> camp out, <laughs> like donate it to festivals, I don't know. No, but, but, but there was a little, I don't know how to put it exactly, but there was, I did have a lot of faith and there was an inkling that this had a space to, to be created and to exist here. So I just kind of like continued on with that. How did you keep the faith? Like what was holding you together at all of those stop signs? Well, one was the vision and the idea of it, of course, as I mentioned before. I couldn't believe that there were mobile, you know, nonprofit mobile units that, you know, help with blood work and with free mammograms and there's food trucks and like why couldn't there be an offering for meditation and 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 also like the goodness of it you know (laughs) they're just trying to put some kindness out into the city and so I know that might sound a little pretentious maybe hardly to me (laughs) but I really felt like if there's space for that then then why can't there be space for this and so that kind of made me very very persistent in 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 trying any way I could to get this done and but what I think so that helped hold me together I had tremendous faith in it and then to be honest my friends and family 
my husband, as I mentioned, you know, once I talked him through it and once he started seeing, like, what exactly this could be, he was, like, all for it. And he's been the first person always to be like, okay, that didn't work out that way. So how are you going to make it work out? How are you going to make it happen? So that's been, like, continuous motivation also. And also my practice, to be honest, which is something that that I continue to go back to and um, and seek some clarity with. And, yeah, and, and also just, I mean, in, in the midst of things, also just, like, going through the motions, you know, and, and venting and, and, and crying. I was going to say, there angry. had to be tears. You'd have to be a robot to not have tears in, in this situation. <laughs> And, and not all, only then. Every day there's still something. There's still something every day that I'm like, oh. Well, now you're actually interfacing with the public. Really, people? <laughs> Why is this happening? So, yes, that's all in the midst of the daily, the daily, I guess, um, adventure of, of creating something like this or just have, being an entrepreneur and, and having a startup. Speaking of entrepreneurship... And, and business, really, which entrepreneurship is. I want to go back to something that you kind of mentioned when you were talking a little bit more about putting the business plan together. Was it hard for you to charge for this or, or get your head around the idea that you'd be charging for meditation? It is. It is hard. It is hard because, I mean, it's, our tagline is meditation for the people, right? So it's definitely an offering that I wanted to extend beyond. Um, and also I think, I mean, being really just completely honest, um, if you practice and when you start practicing, you know you don't need to visit a studio necessarily or hop on a bus to meditate or go to an ashram, right? It's something that you can do on a daily basis, basically wherever you are. The way I I worked myself around that was, well, first of all, if I didn't charge, then, you know, I I couldn't afford to bring it to fruition and, and have it be on the streets and pay instructors and driver and maintenance and all that and good insurance. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all that good stuff that goes along with creating something like this. But um, but I also felt, and I still feel, of course, that it's an invitation for people to, to experience themselves in meditation. I think there's so many wonderful apps out there now that I use sometimes too. Um, and I, I totally, you know, vouch for. And... There's so many, you know, like meditation circles and communities, but I feel like I just wanted to make something that would be hopefully easily accessible and create a space where you could feel supported by a, an in-person instructor, right? Yeah. And, and feel kind of like in this little cocoon um, where if it's your first time or you're like a, a beginning your meditation practice, you can also ask questions and just practice, you know, have the experience of or the opportunity to practice different techniques 
which are kind of like basically embedded in our different themes. That was the whole reason of, of creating different thematic focuses. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is a service that we're providing. It, the service is meditation. And, um, and it's a service that we hope people take with them. Because they are learning a lesson. And I, I think this is important. And I hope you don't mind me asking that question. Of but I feel like there are so many people in this space. And I know, I know for me, when I was doing a lot more one-on-one coaching, you know, people would seem flabbergasted that I actually want to pay my mortgage and have food on my table (laughs) and be able to take care of myself. I mean, I would love to do the work for free, but I think, you know, it's important that, you know, as healers and as teachers and as practitioners that, that you're able to take care of yourself. And I think on the other end, it's also important for people to have to make that exchange or that investment in themselves. To give it value. I mean, unfortunately, right? Or it's just kind of like how our mind processes things many times. I agree with that. I think there's, there's a lot of depth to that. And, and that's why I, I, I feel actually really proud about what we're offering and, and the service that we are providing instead of, you know, feeling guilty about charging and, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is. I'm glad you got yourself to a place where it's, do you find it feels more comfortable for you now? It definitely does, but I still find myself, which is why I I recently hired a, like a, a somebody to focus on sales <laughs> because, <laughs> because I found myself. I just want people to experience it, right? I want like for me, it's, I I want people to get on the bus and 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 do this and meditate and 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 connect and. And all and experience all the wealth and benefits that come from just you know those thirty fifteen minutes of of kind of like solace in a sense, and so I found and this has been very humbling to me that I until recently I'm been just a one woman show. Wow. Okay, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's been it's been really overwhelming at times. And also, I, I realized that, that I need somebody, you know, who specializes in sales because I just kept on giving things away and, and discounting and, and, and not making ends meet just so that people could have the opportunity of being on board. So I realize now um, that, you know, that's not my forte. It's something, a skill I still need to work on and learn. Um, and it's not because I don't value it it's more coming from a place of what can I do to make you just come on board and try it you know yes because it's good for you and you're gonna love it that's where it would come from well meditation is kind of like the mental version of eating your vegetables right like we all (laughs) know it's good for us but the how palatable it is at first right like I think I read a study way back when 
because I had I had a client that was a very picky eater. And so uh-huh. that was a big, you know, I think a lot of the women that hired me earlier on were like, I know I should be eating vegetables, but I'm not. So why? And then that was a lot of like where our, our work focused. Or I know uh-huh. I should be working out. I know I should be meditating, but I'm not. Why? And it would be my job to ask why, like 500 different ways at first. Uh-huh. But I think uh, the study was, I think like when you're introducing vegetables, like especially with kids, you have to feed them like the same thing like 17 times by the time they're like, oh, this isn't so bad. Exactly. Right? It's some ridiculous number like that. Yeah. And I I can attest to that because (laughs) I go through that every broccoli with my kids. (laughs) Well, just think in like 17 days of serving it in a row, you might you might tip the tip the scale, tip the balance. Exactly. And not only it, 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 it's supposedly because I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the study and it's not only just like serving it. I think it's, yeah, 17, 13, 17 amount of times. It's serving it in different um, presentations, right? So it's baked or it's fried or, you know, like it's raw. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, here's your broccoli today. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's hilarious. But, but, anyway. but meditation is sort of like that, or at least that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I, so I'm a big headspace user because mm-hmm. I found I dabbled from the time I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I dabbled in my twenties. I dabbled in my thirties. And then something happened in the last couple of years where I was like, you know, when I do this, I feel better. Like, when I do it a little more consistently, I feel better, and then I fall off. Like, what if I just had something that kind of gamified it? Because that, like, I'm that animal, right? I'm that that dumb animal. Like, that works for me. (laughs) I was like, what if I just make it a game? And so, like, Headspace was a great way to do that and also just kind of have a variety of things to pick from instead of just going from dabbling to keeping your brain under control, which also Mm -hmm. is completely wrong and a fallacy. It's not under control. You're just kind of watching it for 20 minutes, but it can be a big jump. Yes. And so it's, it's kind of like eating your mental vegetables. Do a lot of the people that, that come check it out, are they new to meditation or are they seasoned meditators that just kind of want a new experience? I would say, I think 80% of the people who come on board are either new to meditation or have, you know, tried an app a couple of times and thought, oh, that didn't work for me. I don't know how to meditate. This looks like fun, different experience. Let's try it and see what happens. Yes, which that was kind of what I was thinking because it seems like what you've created is so inviting and comfortable where it's like, there's no downside, really, right? Like, you're either going to come and you're going to have a good experience meditating, mm-hmm. or you're going to come, your brain's going to go bananas and probably want to, like, send smoke out of your ears for t- 15 or 30 <laughs> minutes. But at least you got to, like, do that in this really cool, wonderful, cocoon is a great word for it, by the way, uh-huh. just this beautiful space, right? Like, there's no downside. Like... <laughs> Yeah, you get to say, hey, I meditated on a bus today. 
<laughs> exactly. If nothing else, you have something to talk about at the water cooler. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly. Or a cool selfie. Yes. yes. But it just seems like such a a great gateway experience. That's what I took from it, right? Like I was like, yep, this is a solid meditation. This is a great instructor. But this is so fun. If I hadn't had, you know, like 500 straight days of meditating behind me, like this would feel like such a safe and fun and interesting way to experience it initially. I'm so happy to hear that. It makes me so happy to hear that. And yes, that's that's kind of like exactly what we're going for, right? And that's why we're also parking and you know the same location every one day of the week you know like Wednesday's Madison Square Park and Thursday's Dumbo so we're trying to really be there for people who want to maybe delve into meditation but who have no idea of how to really go about doing that and again who have tried the apps and think it doesn't work for them and to just like be there for them and and create that space and help them kind of at least start a habit, you know, and know that they can count on us being there so that they can hop on board and add it into their schedule. And again, the instructors are there to answer any questions and make it as comfortable and easygoing as possible. So yeah, that's, that's definitely kind of what we were aiming for. Uh, that said, though, it's also we also have very seasoned meditators who come on board and um, and just enjoy, you know, the convenience of having a, a that was safe, kind of like quiet, cozy space, you know, a little cocoon in the city that they walk a couple of blocks to um, in their lunch break you know, or, or whatever, and um, to, to sit and, and practice because maybe they also have, you know, kids so their mornings are crazy and maybe they couldn't fit in that, you know, commute meditation or it's just, it, it's nice sometimes to, I think you can meditate anywhere, of course, but it's, I think it's also nice to provide yourself with a cozy space to do so. It's kind of like a little indulgence, we can put it in that way. And also to, it's a different experience to meditate on your own than to meditate with other people. And I think there's also strength in that, right? That brings a lot of power to the practice. Yes. It's, it's also why I love community acupuncture. Like when you go and it's a a shared room, there's just a, a different, collective energy a different vibe in the room that's hard to explain to anyone who hasn't experienced it Mm -hmm. but it does feel different and I mean I think you know even the name vital core is about bringing in the case of my vital core bringing healthy energized and assertive women together and I you know I think I don't know, that just always has a profound effect on me. Like the the community, the collective, like that we're all pointing in the same direction and moving in the same direction is, is really powerful. It is. It definitely is. 
Yes. So, and I mean, I think it's, people have, you know, met because they go to their usual classes on the bus. Um, and that's kind of like our call to action also on our social media accounts. We kind of want to make it so that people realize that meditation, you know, is as important or maybe more important than, you know, how we take care of our bodies by exercise and what we eat and what products we use on them. Um, but taking care of our, our minds might be even even more important than than that. And um, and so to kind of like create this invitation for people to integrate it into their everyday wellness routine and, and kind of like demystifying it and making it a cool addition to your wellness routine, you know? Um, yeah. It's a cool thing to share with your friends. Come take a class and go have a matcha. I don't know. <laughs> go have brunch. It brings so much value in so many ways and even in relationships, you know, the depth. It helps kind of like open when it was different people. I, there's just so much to it that, um, that yes. we want to create with this. <laughs> yes. And I guess, Carla, you've had this really great chance to gain perspective. You have probably come into contact in the last year or so with thousands of people meditating, and it sounds like many of them new to meditation. What have you learned that we can share with people listening who who are like, oh, I, I just can't meditate? I love that. We get that all the time, by the way. I hear um, it all the time, so yes. I can't even imagine how many times a day yes. you hear it. Exactly. The whole, um, you know, I just can't stop thinking. So I tried, but I just can't meditate because I can't, you know, put my mind in blank. I'm like, oh my gosh, no, you're not, you're not going to. Like, <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> head goes blank. Nobody's head goes blank. No, no, no. So I think like that would be definitely the first, you know, like kind of like demystifying these, these um, preconceptions we have about meditation, how it means just like not thinking and, and be quieting your mind and not having thoughts. Like on the contrary, like our mind is, is, is made, you know, it's designed to have, all these thoughts and be creative and, and keep us on point. And, and that's one of, you know, the many, many marvels of it. Um, but in meditation, it, it's actually the practice of noticing the thought. Any, I mean, may there be a thousand per hour thoughts or one. <laughs> Some every, days. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> and just noticing and coming back to your breath or whatever anchor you're using uh, an intention or, um, whatever it may be. And so in that moment of coming back, that is where the magic happens. That is where, you know, our neurotransmitters are reconnecting and rewiring. That is where we're building resilience. That's where we're creating space. That's where we're building compassion. That's where we're training our mind to focus, to be more creative, to have more space for, you know, productivity. So it's in that coming back to your anchor that that the practice really happens not about having or not having 
thoughts. That's impossible in my in my view of things. So um, so that's a, that's definitely the first. So know that and know that it's fine and you're just like any of, other, of us, you know, a regular human being, and that that's gonna happen. So um, and that's why they call it a practice because sometimes in that process it's hard, right? It can be hard to I don't know carve the time out to sit with yourself and to create that space for yourself and to notice those feelings and or, or thoughts that come up and with those thoughts come maybe some emotions that sometimes are difficult to notice or to sit with or but that's all part of the practice yes uh, um, yes so which can be really uncomfortable to oh the unseasoned unseasoned meditator oh my gosh yes i've been through many many moments in my life and where i i just didn't sit for months sometimes because i just had such a like uncomfortable experience and i was processing something that was just too too difficult for me that i didn't want to do it i i just decided i no nope, i wasn't ready for it i was i was, oh. I was afraid yes Yes. So, I mean, this all happens, right? And so that would be the first. The second would be just give it a try. You know, give yourself the opportunity to to experience it and, and be kind with yourself. You know, try to really let go of expectations and just really focus on relaxing. Think of it as that, you know, if, if that is a good entry point, I think, always just to... A moment to to chill and, and and zen out and um and also if you're gonna you know try it at home or wherever it may be just like set yourself up to success in that you choose a time of the day where you know you're most probably going to be able to get to it you know it's kind of like going to the gym or exercising in any way and and saying okay what's the easiest way of getting that done Yep. For me, it's early in the morning, right? So, okay, check, done. And then, because if I lay, if I leave it for later in the day, then other things happen, life happens, and I don't get to it, and then I feel bad about it, and then whatever. So, um, so I think like just setting yourself up for success in that way, and also starting small. Start by five minutes. Yes, it is a five minutes. Like just, just to sit down, relax, focus on your breath. It doesn't have to be any complicated. Use a map if that's helpful to you. Come to a class. You know, five minutes really does wonders. And then just stick to it. Really give yourself a good two weeks or more and, yes. and see what happens. I also recommend um, journaling because I find that to be very interesting and a very good um, kind of like trigger point to go back to and, and notice any progress or shifts. And yeah, and you can add on from there. But I think those would be some good starting points. Yes. I love the talk of letting go of expectations too. And I, I have to laugh because it's that I'm a recovering type A woman, right? <laughs> I, I fight the fight every day to uh -huh. not succumb to that like young sort of push, go, 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 go energy and really slow myself down. Mm -hmm. Slow my roll is often a mantra in meditations for me. I love it. I love it. But I think, you know, even this morning, 
you know, I get up and I meditate. It's usually get up, go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, go back to bed, which I feel like is you know, a no, no, like everyone's always like, sit up, oh my this, that, no, no, no. I get yes. back in bed. It's still nice. warm. It's still comfortable. I usually put a lamp on so I don't fall back asleep, but you know, I go into every meditation and of course you want that like blissy session that just, you feel relaxed and you're focused on whatever you're supposed to be focusing on. And this morning my brain was a mess instead of just like feeling like ideas were coming through like a bubble that I could sort of gently pop and kind of, oh, a thought, a feeling, uh-huh. a thought, a feeling. <laughs> it was like swatting flies in there this morning. It was like thought, feeling, thought, feeling, thought, <gasps> oh, feeling, no. thought, feeling. And then sometimes like in all that, you have a couple moments that are just like, oh, wow, it it slowed down for a second and then it rushes in and again and then you might have it like slow down. It just is always going to be what it's going to be. But I think like, you know, when you were talking about letting go of expectations, I think my God, for months I was just like, okay, I want that feeling like I had yesterday. (laughs) I know the grasping. Yes, 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 yes. And you're like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not doing it right because what did I do that time that felt so good? And now look at me. And then blah, 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 blah. Exactly, exactly. And it's just really just being with what is and being open to that and accepting that and honoring that, you know, looking into that and just letting it be. And then the next time it's different in each moment, right? is different. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of that letting go of expectations. Yes. And Carla, you mentioned using meditation and using journaling. I guess like, where did your practice start out? And like, what are some of the shifts you've noticed in, in your meditation practice? Like, what does it look like now? So, oh my gosh, that's a, that's huge, a, question. a, a, funny, sorry, yes, a huge question. Yeah, that's a huge question. Okay, so I'll start at the beginning. Um, I first meditated when I was, I think, 15 or 16. Oh, so my impressive. Mom, <laughs> no, no, no. My mom took me to this. She really insisted strongly that I go with her to this weekend retreat. I really resisted strongly in going to this retreat. And then she ended up winning. So I accompanied her. And um, I had... No idea what I was getting myself into. I got there and, you know, if I had known that the weekend entailed basically chanting for hours, listening to a guru talk, um, chanting, again, in, in Sanskrit, which I had no idea what <laughs> of anything was. <laughs> this is like every 15-year-old girl's, like, ideal situation, right? Like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not exactly, but not exactly. I was, it was not my idea of a perfect plan for my weekend at 15. So I, I, I kind of panicked at a moment there, but then we, we were invited to sit in, in meditation and to close our eyes and were guided through it. And it was just a, I had a very powerful experience. I, it was very magical and I kind of realized that it was a very, powerful practice and it also kind of like just helped me 
I'm also a recovering type A, and I was, since then, um, overburdened by, um, by all these goals and ideas and, you know, like, expectations of what I felt I needed to be and, and to achieve and, you know, being the perfect daughter and the perfect sportswoman and the, the grades and the la 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 and I um, feel you exhausting it was exhausting and I felt like I had to do all these things or be all these things, uh, uh, all these things in order to be loved right so yes. when I sat in meditation it kind of offered an opportunity for me to let go of all that and explore in a conscious way a space that I'd never really been to inside myself I guess and it was bliss because I for the first time I didn't I was being asked to just let go of all of that like just to to just sit and, and be I just needed to focus on my breath or on the guidance that I was receiving whatever um and so that really hit home for me and um and since then, it kind of became a constant presence in my life. I, I mean, not to say that I've been meditating every day since I was 15. I would love to say that. <laughs> I think yes. all of us would. I wish. But, um, but, it, but in a funny way, it's something that has always kind of like marked my journey. And it's been a practice that I always, for some reason or another, end up going back to or having you know, different experiences with, and, um, yeah, so it's kind of been, like, a trusted companion, in a, in a sense. I love that, a trusted companion. Yeah, yeah, there's always so much to practice, and ways to go, and, but it just, it, it does definitely kind of, like, provide a, a space for me to go back to. And it also provide, has kind of like provided me with a tool set and skill set to use when navigating, you know, tough times, challenging times. And I imagine that's shifted. I mean, you know, you talked about in the beginning being a mom and having twins. I'm sure your practice kind of went out the window a little bit at first, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I had no idea if it was night or day. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was it was craziness. Like, how do I have so many small people when I only have two hands? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was like, how do people triple do this? Oh my goodness! Yeah. When was, did you find your practice kind of coming back online after a challenge point like that? Right, because I I imagine women listening are you know are hearing us wax on as you know, huge advocates for meditation and for mindfulness and are thinking not only like, how do I sit still and how do I be with myself like on the inside, but hey, sometimes life really does get in the way. What do you, what do we yeah. do in that place? So it was interesting because my being present with my children, with my babies at that point became kind of my practice. So I made that my practice. I knew it was really tough for me to kind of just like do my regular sit down. And so I tried to just incorporate it into my activities, right? 
that I think it's something we can all do. And again, I think it's like part of, I hope, in like demystifying, you know, what meditation is or can be. So um, if I would give myself, you know, time to shower even, you know, I would, I would do it mindfully and just um, washing my face and taking that little moment for myself, you know, feeling how the foam felt on my skin and how the water, you know, if it was cold, hot, what if it had, my body had any reactions to that, um, just uh, the towel on my skin. So just trying to be like very, very present in, in those moments and also in being with my kids when when I was with them, right? Whether it be feeding or playing with them or, yeah, just trying to get them to sleep. So that's what I mean, of course, there, there's there's tougher times, you know, I'm not going to say like, yeah, I had two screaming, uh, crying babies and, and I was just being really present with it. But, uh, but I would, I would try to incorporate it in that way. And a good friend of mine was actually the one who suggested that. And she said, well, you know, now this is your practice. And at this time of your life, this is, this is your practice. And I feel like we can all do that, right? It doesn't need to be, meditation doesn't need to be necessarily, um, again, you know, sitting cross-legged uh, on a cushion and arming out. It's just, it can be lying down before going to sleep, which I currently still recur to at times, you know, when mornings are tough and I couldn't fill it in. I, I do try to squeeze in, even if it's just five minutes of just like, lying in my bed just before I go to sleep and, and using a nap and um, connecting to that. So it's just a way, like finding ways of, of integrating it in, into your life that works for you, you know, like ways that work for you. Again, going back to like the five minutes, the two minutes. Yeah. Um, another thing that I do. Two breaths helpful. some days. Exactly. Two <laughs> breaths. I, I, something I still continue to do is I have, I set myself like alarms, like notifications in my calendar at 11 a.m. I get a notification to breathe and drink water. Nice. And so I do that. I just like, okay, okay, okay. And whatever I'm doing, I mean, I just try to like take a couple of deep breaths, reset, drink a little water. And, and it does wonders. It really does wonders for, for my day. And I also feel like I used to have many of them throughout the day. And now I just have the, the 11 a.m. one. I don't know why I stuck to, stuck to that one. But I notice also how I, my body kind of just like does it instinctively, right? And especially if I'm encountering a stressful moment, it's just kind of like that. Okay, reset. You know, just breathe. Take a deep breath. So it can be just little things like as, you know, as small as that to integrate meditation and, and mindfulness into your life. I'm, I'm no superwoman at all. <laughs> at all. I think you're a pretty superwoman, but I get where you're going thank for. You. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Carla, I have to ask, how did you decide on the themes for the classes? Because it sounds like you've just been really flexible about like how meditation looks in your own life and how you've really, really integrated it. Mm -hmm. But then I imagine you had to make some difficult decisions. You know, I find it mind boggling sometimes when I read about different 
avenues of meditation, different styles of meditation. Like sometimes even with just headspace where you can pick different kind of themed focuses, it's a paradox of choice, right? Like uh-huh. <laughs> you could do a meta meditation. You could just focus on your breath. It could be a visualization. Am I going to do noting today? Am I going <laughs> to, you know, what is it? What's the flavor and the color? What was it like for you then kind of having to make this all smaller and more accessible for someone new? So what I decided to do was I did quite a bit of research and I found that there's primarily four or five, like the big, like let's call them big chunky, you know, categories of techniques. Yeah, just like four or five different techniques for meditation that are the most utilized and well-known, so to say, that being mindfulness practice, focusing on the breath, focusing on your body, focusing on sound, because within that, you know, it can go many different avenues. And then mantra repetition, or we, we like to call it, you know, just intention, where people get to create an intention instead of being given a, a mantra and, you know, like, yeah, just having it be something that they can own and um, that resonates with them. Sorry, I'm backtracking. For the mindfulness, for example, we created a class called Be Here. And for the mantra repetition, we created a class called Be Intention. Then we also incorporate creative visualization and the Be Creative and gratitude and compassion-based meditation practice and the Be Love. And in doing this, I just wanted to keep things as simple as possible, um, as digestible as possible too. But in doing so, offering people um, the opportunity to experience these different techniques. Because I've found, at least in, in my own practice, that I've dabbled in many. And they actually kind of like show up for me in, in different moments of my life, I feel more comfortable with this way or with another way or with this technique or even like in a day-by-day basis. So some things work better for some of us. Some things are nice to kind of like just have handy and we can kind of incorporate in whatever we are working on already. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of like simplify things but also extend a reasonable offering for people to have different experiences within their meditation practice. Got it. So you sound like someone who's really focused on having options. And I know we've talked so much about meditation and and especially your practice, which thank you for kind of sharing some of the, the bits of that. What other things, people, resources helps you keep it all on the rails outside of just meditation? Because you're a busy lady. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's the little things in in my everyday that help me just like channel through things. Um, I think the one that sounds so tiny but is so important to me is I've made this conscious effort to, as soon as I open my eyes, Um, think of three things that I'm grateful for. So usually one of those is until my bed, you know, like, oh, so glad. I I do that same thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but I do try to incorporate another couple of, you know, just things that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for it. And, and it really sets a different tone to, to the morning, right? And to getting out of bed. And um, so that's one. Uh, then I do try to, you know, incorporate a, a, a meditation in the morning before my kids come in and for cuddle time. Uh, which is also, <laughs> which is also hard, self-care. I'm not a morning person, so it entails a little sacrifice on my end of like making the extra effort to waking up a little earlier uh, in order to do that and then just like taking um, some time to journal and prepare for the day. And that can be like, it doesn't need to be a 30, 40 minute process. Sometimes it's a five, 10 minutes process, but I do feel that that kind of also helps set a tone for the day. I answer my first emails uh, offline, so with no Wi-Fi, so that I can really feel like, okay, I tackled all of this and I don't get, you know, pulled a thousand different ways with incoming emails and my attention going, you know, everywhere and nowhere. So does that uh, help you kind of batch them together? Like you kind of make a pass in the morning and then is it like later, do you kind of do the same thing later in the day too? Uh, I don't, and that's a good idea, actually. I don't do it later in the day, but I, it kind of it kind of helps me tackle the incoming and then also prioritize what I should really, really be focusing on that day. So I create lists out of that, um, and within that list, there's, like, certain things that I know need to be, you know, done and by the end of the day. So it helps me really focus on that. And I find that um, because I have so many things going on and I think everybody does, I can easily divert to like, oh, oh, look, the, I don't know, the parent tour for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put that in the calendar. And then I totally digress from like being, you know, more focused on, on, on other things that, and, and also in closing circles, you know, I feel like that's another hard one for me. Just like really making sure I, I close circles. You are not alone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a tough one. And then I, I yeah. And then I, I kind of go back and I'm like, oh my God, I was like halfway through that email. I never hit send. And it's like <laughs> days later when I'm getting this email, like, oh my goodness. So yes. So like little things like that. Try Like I try, um, so that they help me kind of like streamline through through the day. Uh, aromatherapy roll-ons really work for me. Something I have always in my bag, and um, whenever I feel like I need a, a, I need a little boost or a little calm to go along with that breather and notification, I, I use that um, with candles or the diffuser going on, and that really helps me. CBD oil <laughs> is that. Out. Like I, I, that I feel that that's really, I don't know, I, I don't know. Maybe it, it, I feel it, like it, it really helps energize my days. Um, prioritizing sleep is uh, another good one. Yes, which doesn't always happen, but yes, I really do try to make a conscious effort of prioritizing sleep, um, and also, you know, like making time which is now much narrower and obviously much much less than what I would like it to be but um prioritizing time with my kids and my husband 
and making sure that when I am with them, I am really just with them. You know, no, no cell phones, done with the emails, sitting down to dinner. You know, and that's been a really hard one for me. Um, there's a lot of guilt, I think, and shame <laughs> we feel as mothers, and 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 also not shame, but more guilt and. Um, and and also in my case at least frustration right and being feeling like I'm pulled in so many ways and I'm not you know like being to able to accommodate or be there a hundred percent as I as for I would like anyone to anyone or anywhere right oh my for anyone or anywhere so like flaky with my friends because um, <laughs> I'm exhausted thank goodness they know me and they know what I'm up to but you know like yeah, like th- that I'm not being able to be there as much as I would like to with like, friends, family, the people I care about. And even for myself, sometimes I have to also remind myself of that. And that's another, re- I guess that's another conversation, but that's another really hard one to, to build in. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I want to dial up something you said, though, because I think I heard it in a lot of different flavors when you were describing some of these habits that have been serving you well. In a few different ways, you said you make the time, right? Like you mm-hmm. trade off staying in bed a little bit longer and you trade off some of that sleep that you know that is good for you because then you get to have a few minutes to set yourself up for the day, you know, sort of bring some gratitude in, bring that intention in, maybe take time to do a little meditation in the morning, but you make the time. Yes. I think that's important to talk about because I know this is something that that I kind of hear a lot, you know, either just out in the ether, conversation with friends or things like that, or when I say that I meditate and they're like, but you don't have children yet. No, but I I have a a business and a real life full life and volunteer work. And and, a lot of things going on, of course. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, but you don't, you don't get it. You know, and it doesn't even matter what the what the person has going on, right? Like, you know, for me, I commonly hear, but you don't have kids yet. But I think the reason I'm able to do these things are often because I trade something else, right? Like, exactly. Like, exactly. I've been looking at the same unwallpapered dining room that I need to paint the trim. (laughs) But it's like, but I know for me, like, the collective... 15 or 20 minutes that I take every morning to meditate are going to serve me better in all of the other aspects of my life than painting that damn trim. At least for right now, that's the trade-off, right? Exactly. 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 These things don't just magically slip into my life. They are conscious and sometimes not great choices. (laughs) No, of course. No, I mean, I, I totally... Sometimes for me, it's it, it's a choice of really just like rearranging my closet and taking those 20 minutes because it's driving me crazy every time I walk in it, it or like open it and things fall on me. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and every day I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to fix this. It drives me crazy. And and I never get to it. But, and, then, and you know, like, yes, it's just about making that conscious decision and effort and that's always going to be, as you say, there's always going to be a trade-off in that. And it's just really kind of like honing in on what is important to you and what is going to serve you 
best at that point in time of your day or of your life. Yes. And Carla, I want to thank you so much for your effort. Like what you are creating in the world is so fun and exciting to hear about. And I think how you're going to affect so many people is, is going to be amazing. And I want to respect your time. And I, I know how much you have going on. I want to ask you one more question. And yes, of course. What do you most want La Vital Core Salon listeners to know or take away from our conversation today? That's a very good one. I think, I think, well, I think it's been very obvious that I'd, I'd love to extend, you know, an invitation for people to give themselves the chance to practice or to experience the songs and meditation, to give it a try, or to, if you tried it already, you know, give it another go, give yourself the chance to, to see the shifts and benefits in that. Um, but beyond, I think the takeaway could be if you feel, if you have something that really resonates with you and that you feel strongly about and passionate about, even if it's a 360 and even if it's, you know, something you've no idea how to go about doing and have no idea how you're going to pull off or no experiencing, um, really give yourself the opportunity to delve into that, you know, and obviously responsibly, but like take little steps and, and indulge in, in exploring that aspect in your life and, um, and seeing where it can take you. And also, and I think like last of all, it's just kind of like remembering that, <laughs> We're all in this together, and we're just so much more <laughs> alike than we are different. And so, you know, like, my struggles are your struggles, and, you know, like, maybe in different situational aspects, but in so many same, you know, like, core-based aspects. And um, and so, like, I think we need to talk about them more, right, and and, and share them a little more. I think there's a lot of wealth in that vulnerability and um, especially as women, I feel like we have so many stories and so, so many experiences and so much wealth and wisdom and, um, and, and even like through challenges and hard times and, and we, we kind of like sometimes have this idea of like having to just be like keeping it together and having, you know, having yes. that that kind of like profile of ourselves which in my case is definitely not you know like it's not it's not necessarily all, all true so just like an invitation also to open yourself a little more and you know share with your friends and beyond even more and um yeah i think if we would all just be a little more open about all of all of these things, we could just like help each other up even, even more. Carla, thank you. <laughs> like this just, that makes, as someone who deeply believes that we can all be individuals, but we can all 
be connected to each other at the same time. Like, I really hear the gravity in your words, and I, I really want to thank you for sharing all that and encouraging all that, because it's so needed right now. <laughs> It is, it is, and it's so easy to feel lonely and to feel like things are just happening to you and you might not know it and the person sitting next to you on the subway is going through exactly the same thing and just like there's something in that that has a lot of power and and also can bring a lot of, of wealth, you know, to how we go about these challenges or everyday things that life throws at us. Yes. <laughs> oh, Carla, it's been such a pleasure to get this time to talk to you and learn more about you and for people to hear what you created. And I know I've been encouraging friends in the city. And You're so sweet. I know you will, you will, I don't know if we'll physically cross paths, but I know knowing that B time is there on the days that I come in the city. And usually when I go in the city, it's because I'm trying to get five meetings done and try to stack everything up in a single day. Uh It's, I feel like it is such a comfort knowing that that is there, that I can in the midst of that chaos, kind of just regroup and have a few minutes to like come back into my skin and not let New York get the best of me. Oh, um, Kara, thank you. Thank you. That really, it really means the world. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been amazing. Thank you. Hey, it's Kara again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Le Vital Core Salon. I strategically held this one back to offer up some sonic comfort and conversation at a time of year when our gears might be spinning still, just trying to slip into gear as we're upshifting. So I really hope you dug this episode with Carla of B-Time. You'll find all of the links and resources we mentioned and a few others that Carla and I shared with each other leading up to this episode in the show notes at levitalcoresalon.com. Please support Carla and our new friends at B-Time by linking up with them on social media. You can find them at B-Time Practice. And be on the lookout for some super cool pop-ups and collaborations with Sound Off coming up in the new year. And please support this podcast by sharing the episode with one human you know, subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts, and texting the word SALON to 444 999. That's three fours and three nines. To hop on the VIP list at this here podcast party. Before we all scoot back into our days, I want to give a big merci beaucoup to producer and husband Craig Snyder, to Darlene Victoria, virtual assistant extraordinaire, to Rishi Deer of Elephant Stone for writing the theme song and the high dials for performing it, and most importantly, Don't forget, you deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let bullshit or burnout stop you.